Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Calmel, a baggage handler caught up in evil goings-on that I didn't ask to be involved in. With me again is my friend and one of the coaches for the Vanguard Tactics Academy, a fellow baggage handler who just doesn't seem to believe that I saw what I saw when I saw it. He is the chick young to my Wilbur Gray, Mr. Michael Costello. Mike, how's your weekend going? Yeah, really good. <laughs> really good, thanks. <laughs> excited to continue this. Yes, um, yes, excited to finish this up. Um, normally, I would harass Steve at this point about not getting my references, but I know that I just referenced a movie that like five people alive have seen, so... Are you yeah. an Abbott Costello fan? Uh, I'm afraid you've lost me. Yeah, that's okay. It's it, Dude, it's even way before my time. I just grew up <laughs> watching those movies on like early Saturday mornings on Channel 9 when they had all the black and white stuff on. That's so, right. Pacific bad. Rim, I can get that reference. But. Right, yeah. That one I know you get. So at least, at least we're covered there. So, oh, Steve. All right. So, uh, but before we go any further, let's uh, acknowledge our sponsor, Siege Studios. Uh, if you need anything commission painted, uh, Please look no further than Siege Studios. Uh, they are they do an amazing job. They have multiple tiers of of levels of paint you can have your your models commissioned uh, at. Um, everything from minimally battle ready to absolutely stunningly one step shy of golden demon worthy. Uh, and they're also doing. Uh, there, I know that James is going to be coming on uh, shortly to uh, with Steve and I to do a an, a whole episode. And I know that they're also starting to do some classes all over the UK. So. Uh, look, check out Siege Studios, check out their Instagram, go online, look at their website. Tons of stuff there to learn to, to up your own game, as well as obviously to have them uh, do some commission painting for you if that's your, uh, that the route you want to take. And um, we also can't forget that the next session of the Academy starts tomorrow. Yeah, it does. Uh, enrollment, uh, registration is still open for, I think it's till the 10th, I think is what Steve told me. Yeah, 10th or 11th. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, you guys get like the first week you can register late if you're if you're just a little later had to wait to get paid or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, and the the first module is um so there's an introduction part but also we drop you straight into army list building. That's the first week on the academy. So uh yeah, don't worry if you join late. Um you still get access to it and then you know as as we move on you'll get access to more modules as we go. But army list building obviously pretty good place to start. Oh, it's the best place to start. Yeah. So, uh, all right. And ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. If you like, uh, all of my silliness and all the great information that Mike and Steve, uh, and our other guests uh, are able to offer you. Um, we really appreciate all the support that we've been getting all the great reviews. Um, I have been getting, uh, several great reviews lately. Um, but today I'm going to actually tie in a review into our, uh, rules lawyer segment because it was a, a great review and, um, a question. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But if you do want to uh, reach us on social media, uh, you can find Steven on Instagram at, at the Vanguard Tactics. I'm on there, of course, as at Infantry Lawyer. And you can find Mike on there as at VT underscore Mike. Um, and uh, yeah, please come check us out. Don't be afraid to reach out and say hi if you, uh, if you have questions for Rules Lawyer, if you guys just want to say hi and you know, let us know that you're, you're fans of the show. We, we love it. We love having our egos stroked. We are delicate male egos on two legs. So uh, without further ado, the uh, rules lawyer segment today, um, I had a great question. Uh, it is from John Cribb. Uh, and uh, he messaged me directly on Instagram and he said, um, uh, hi, Dave, absolutely love the podcast. I've been mostly playing crusade at my store with my friends, but the advice has worked wonders on my game. 
My big question is in regards to the Moloch and its terror from the deep ability. Clearly, he was paying attention to our pod, to uh, the episodes you and I did on the, the Tyranids, and he knows how much I love the Moloch. Um, <laughs> so every time uh, he says, every time I played, the first question people have is, can I block the Moloch from coming up? So his question is three parts. Um, can, uh, can you stop the Moloch from coming up? What happens if it's blocked from coming up? And when do the mortal wounds from the terror of the deep go off before or after the model's placed? So you and I talked about this a little bit just before we started recording. And um, the, the easiest one is the last question to answer first, which is when do the mortals uh, go off? That is, so the, the rule for terror from the deep says in your command phase, so turn one, yeah. you put down your marker for where you, your, your terror from the deep is going to come up. And then... In the fall, so that's if you do that in turn one command phase, then in turn two during your reinforcement step, that's when all of the all the crazy shenanigans occur. So in the reinforcement step, then you do your mortal wounds, and then you see about placing the Moloch. Yeah, did I got that right, Mike? Yeah, I remember yep. that. So you do the mortal wounds before you try and place a model. Okay, so um, you do, and and part of that is because I I think it's it is intended at least, um, John, to eliminate some of that problem because if somebody wants to crowd some models in and around your terror from the deep marker to stop you from coming up they're risking the chance of taking a bunch of mortal wounds before you even pop up so the idea is i think theoretically some of those mortal wounds will thin out and make it easier now mike raised a a particular scenario that i think causes a problem that's going to cause some to's a headache and you were the one that mentioned mike so what was what was the scenario you thought of what was the particular unit that could cause this all to go sideways so there's a, there's a few units that have this ability, but the most notable one is Space Marine Infiltrators, um, where a unit that arrives with reinforcements can't be set up within 12 inches of a model from this unit. Um, so it's problematic if you have, let's say, five Infiltrators sort of standing uh, in like a pentagon in a circle around this objective, uh, because, well, are you allowed to set up the Morlock? You would assume, so the Morlock can be set up within 12 of the marker that you put down right um that's within not wholly within so like the edge of your morlock's base could be uh, 12 inches um to the marker but if the infiltrators are there you can't set up within 12 so um that's another question is like does that overrule it traditionally we have seen that that overrules any abilities that let you set up um closer uh, like for gene seeder cults that that's been in one of the rare rules um but whether that still stands with the morlock i don't know um and then of course that begs the question well if you can't set up the morlock what happens to it yeah so barring that unique situation that that mike was thinking of when we were talking this through um i think the idea is if somebody tries to crowd you out you you do if you can do enough mortal wounds you can probably find a way to still edge in and and like mike said the rule says within not wholly within so as long as the very edge of your base is within 12 inches of that terror from the deep marker you're good so you place your marker in the command phase the the next turns movement phase in the reinforcement step you do your mortal wounds and then you push your moloch so that's the order in which it happens the question is if you can still have you should be able to as long as there's the little tiny toe edge of the base of the moloch is within 12 inches you're good um, especially because the rule says the Moloch can be set up within nine inches of an enemy model, then it just can't charge, which I think also causes an interaction that was that will cause some TOs, some head scratching um, to deal with this. So 
uh, and I and I also double checked while Mike and I were looking this up, uh, John. It there's no FAQ on it either. So the short answer is we have no idea. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The the can you stop it from coming up? I think if you're using infiltrators or if you're using uh, there's a Tau relic that prevents yeah. it, and there's a few other units that can prevent somebody from from deep striking or showing up de- being deployed within 12 inches of that model or that unit. So if that's the case, I think you can be screened out. So you maybe need to plan ahead and say, hey, does anybody mm. have this ability? And yeah. then that's going to inform <laughs> where you, unless there's somebody's playing the, the all Phobos, all infiltrator yeah. space marine list, which there's like two people in the world that could do that. But assuming all of those things don't happen, if, if you ask them if they've got an ability to screen you out for more than 12 inches per unit, if so, that's going to inform where you're going to place that marker. Yeah. Uh, make sure it's far enough away that they can't run over there in the intervening turn to screen you out. Um, after that, the best I can say is ask a TO or do yeah. a roll off, email GW mercilessly and ask them to sort this out because that's a great question. And neither Mike nor I know the answer. In reality, it's a very rare circumstance and you should right. be able to set the model up. But yeah, ask your TO beforehand just in case it happens in a game. Um, but otherwise, just don't put your marker down near a unit that stops you arriving from reserve. Yeah, yeah. Because as long as you don't, they don't have that rule, the Moloch very specifically says you can be set up within nine inches, which means that screening, you just can't be within engagement range of any models. Yeah. So they would have to pepper a bunch of regular models to try to screen you out, which is A, totally inefficient for them to do. And yeah, B, exactly. invites them sucking up a lot of mortal wounds. So barring the, the, the situation of infiltrators or something similar, I think you can place it. You should be, the, them screening you out is going to be nearly impossible the way the yeah. rules are written. And I just don't think that, honestly, I, it, as the rules lawyer, I would be arguing with the TO. And if I was the one playing the Moloch, I'd be arguing with the TO. Hey, it says I can be set up. I just can't be within engagement range. And this would theoretically override the infiltrator rule. But also, the default has always been, as, as Steve and Mike always say in the Academy, can't overrules can. So, eh, you're going to have to kick that one to a TL for, for final say. I wish we could be more definitive on that. It's a fantastic question. Thank you, Jonathan, for sending that in. Um, I just wish we could have been a bit more um, definitive for you. So, with that, all of that said, my, my, my brother Mike, we got, uh, we got some Chaos Knights to finish up. And we are starting with Harbingers of Dread. And so I'm going to need you to explain this one for me and everybody else because I don't play Chaos Knights and you do. So go for it. <laughs> All right. So um, Harbingers of, of Dread is basically the what you get if your entire army is just Chaos Knights. Uh, this is like your doctrines for Space Marines, your imperatives for um, Tyranids, that kind of thing. Okay. And this, this one has a tendency to get a little bit complicated. Um, but I think you know if it's explained uh, straightforward, then you'll understand. Um, so each battle round, you're going to have a different ability based on a path you pick on this table that you've got. All right. Now there's three columns in this table, and each time you go into a new battle round, you can choose to go left or right. Okay. Um, so you could go into uh, you start in column in the middle column. So we'll call that column two. Uh, it's called Doom here, but I feel like the number's a bit easier to follow. Uh, so we start in column two. We can move to column one or three. Um, and then after that, 
we can move left or right, sort of one space. So we could go from column two to column one, and then from column one, we could stay in column one. So that is an option staying in the same column, or we could go back to column two. Okay, but we can never jump from sort of column one all the way to column three, if that makes sense. Does that kind of make sense, Dave? Yeah, yeah. You just you you look at the page, and there's I mean I'm looking at it now. the The page has the on the far left column is despair. Mm-hmm. The middle column is doom. The far right one is darkness. So you can't yeah. jump from darkness to despair. You can only go from darkness to doom. But if you're in doom, you can choose to go to despair or back to darkness. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and of course, yeah, you can stay in the same column if you want to. Um, so uh, some of these are based on dread tests. Um, so should we briefly cover what's involved in a dread test? Yeah, we we had talked about it in the la- in the first part of this, and we didn't ever go into in detail into what a dread test is. So, but basically, it's a it's an old school leadership test. You just roll two d six and see who, see if it exceeds the leadership test of the unit testing, right? Yeah, yeah. So if it's equal or under, you pass. Um, but if it's above, then you failed the dread test. Um, failing a dread test because dread tests have specific circumstances. One of which I, I'll. I'll used as an example from the Harbingers of Dread table, um, the results will differ based on why you're taking the Dread test. Um, so, And I, I got a question. Can you, yes, go can you, take, can you be forced to take more, multiple Dread tests in the same turn? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Potentially, yeah. They happen, yeah, immediately when you have to sort of do them. Um, Whenever the conditions are met for a Dread test, your opponent has to take a Dread test for whatever units are affected. Exactly. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um, right. So Harbingers of Dread. Now the first one, you always start with this one. So battle round one, um, minus one leadership to enemy units within dread range. Dread range starts at 12 inches. Okay. So minus one leadership within 12 inches and then minus one to combat attrition within 12 inches as well. Um, that becomes quite frustrating if you start losing models from morale. Oh yeah, because if you're if you're all of a sudden taking a dread test and you're or a morale test and you're at Marty minus one and you're below half, yeah. now your 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 guys are running on ones, twos, and threes. You got a fifty percent chance of your models running. That yeah. becomes the 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 leadership test, the morale phase that everybody sort of normally poo poos mm. can suddenly become obnoxious. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. So if you if you go left on this table to despair for your battle round two. Um, you're going to get uh, minus three to aura abilities of models within 12 inches uh, and minus three to command ability range, minus three inches to command ability range as well. Um, so that's one column. The middle column is plus three to dread range. So now suddenly you've got 15 inch range of minus one leadership and combat attrition. And then the right one, which is the example we're going to use for uh, dread tests. Um, so this is quite a wordy one. So while an enemy unit is within dread range, so 12 inches, um, unless you have other buffs uh, to this. Uh, each time that unit is selected to shoot, uh, you, they have to do a dread test, and if it's passed, they're fine. However, if it fails, they have to target the closest enemy unit or closest eligible unit. Okay, so you take this test um, when you try and shoot and you're within 12 of a knight. Uh, you fail it, you have to shoot the closest knight. Um, the other half of it, is if you're trying to charge, okay, and you're going to be within 12 inches if you're going to try and charge, um, you take this test. If you fail, you half your charge distance. Of course, if you pass, you're fine. Um, but that one in particular can be quite savage uh, if you're not 
wary of it. But yeah, that's the dread test. Now, a dread test doesn't mean that you take any casualties for morale or anything. It's, it's a separate test on its own. Uh, and here are two specific results and circumstances um, for a dread test. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, in, in round three, then there's three different ones. Mm-hmm. And then in round four, there's three different ones. And then round yep. five, then it goes back to there's only one in the doom column. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you just All make right. your choice as you go. So I'd recommend if you're playing Chaos Knights... Um, and you've got your score sheet, just write down which one you're doing um, each battle round to keep track. Um, that really helps me when I'm playing as Chaos Knights, um, and it will help you remember uh, what they actually do. So, yeah. yeah, you're going to want to keep this sheet. I would, I would almost consider just photocopying this sheet and Agreed. stapling it to the back of your list when you're at, you know, so when you walk to the table, you can pull, you go, just go to the last page every turn and look, figure out which one you're picking. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of good options here, but um, for lack of, if we could just draw it on and read them all out, and if it's going to go you guys are going to go cross-eyed listening to this in the car. So we won't, we won't waste time giving you all that information, but um, now I understand. So I, thanks Mike for explaining that. And no worries. the dread tests are, are also pretty straightforward. Um, I do know that from when we had did first, you know, part one of this, there's some, some uh, houses and there's some abilities that will lean more into dread test too. You could like, you could really lean into and make dread tests a central part of your strategy as a chaos night player too. So, if that's something you, I, I think it's a viable tactic. I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't played against, mm-hmm. um, I've only played against Chaos Knights once. And it was a practice game. I haven't run into them in, um, in tournaments. So, uh, yet. So anyway, um, with that, I think we need to go back and start doing, um, yeah, relics. I think I just mentioned, cause obviously we're all about, um, teaching people about some of the things in the codex. The biggest thing to watch out for, for Harbingers of Dread, if you ever played Chaos Knights, is that battle round four, there is an opportunity to turn off objective secured within 12 of Chaos Knights. Um, so just be very, very wary of that um, because that can massively affect uh, your game round, battle round four. Uh, the other ones aren't quite as impactful, but that one, just be very wary of it. Oh yeah, that would be that would be a real feels bad if you didn't know that was coming and your opponent suddenly said, oh yes, I've turned off all your obsec. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, that can be rough. Okay, let's uh, move on to Relics. Um, cool. All right. Uh, first relic we got here is the Blasphemous Engine. This is for abhorrent class or war dog class models only, so no dominance. Uh, each time the barrier would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound while using its demonic siege, traitorous ambition. Roll a d6 on a 2 plus, the wound is not lost. And the barrier is considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purposes of determining what characteristics on its profile to use. Okay. Just quickly mention that is infernal only as well. So that's oh yes, yeah. I forgot, to, only. I forgot we got to pay attention for infernals and iconoclasts. This is infernals yeah. only. So yeah, it makes sense because they're the ones that get that demonic surge. We covered it in the last one, guys. Um, right. So yeah, just go check that if you're not sure what's going on there. All right, go for it. Veil of Medrungard. So um, may have seen this before, guys. It's from the old book. Uh, so this is iconoclast only. Uh, this is the one that gets the AP and attack in combat. Uh, and this is abhorrent or war dog, so no tyrant class, the big boys. Bearer has a 4 plus invulnerable save against ranged attacks, 6 plus invulnerable save against melee attacks. Cool. I like it. Yeah. I mean, 6 plus against uh, anything is very meh, but. Better than nothing. <laughs> it's better than nothing. And 4 plus is, is, is certainly decent for, for ranged yeah. attacks. So. It saves you 2 CP as well. Yeah, from having to, to rotate uh, shields. Mm. So, 
All right. Uh, then we got the Trader's Mark. The bearer has the following ability. Trader's Mark dreaded. Whilst an enemy unit is within dread range. There's that dread range thing again of the bearer. Your opponent cannot select that unit to use the insane bravery stratagem. So no auto passing morale, nor can they use any rule that would let them reroll a morale test. Kind of locking them into mm. uh, suffering some uh, whatever happens from their dread test. Once per battle at the start of any battle round after the first, uh, after you have selected a harbinger ability to be active for your army, uh, if any, you can select one other harbinger ability from that battle round, regardless of what harbinger ability was selected in the previous battle round. The selected harbinger ability is active for the bearer for the rest of the battle. This does not affect which harbinger ability you can select in your next battle round. Cool. So, battle round, let's say two, you might go for the aura debuff, and then you trigger this on your relic, uh, and you go for the uh, maybe plus three inches to your dread range. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Right. So, but it, just for the bearer, not bad. Right. Or you wait until round four and then turn off OBSEC and then, you know, just declare that to be, that's going to be his thing yeah. for the rest of the game. So turn four and turn five, that model will be turning off OBSEC. Yeah. That is another thing I should have mentioned, Dave. So all of the harbingers of dread ability, um, they stack. So the minus one leadership, minus one combat attrition from battle round one, that carries on throughout uh, the rest of the game. Ah. Yeah, so you get that, and then you get your battle round two one. You get both of those for the rest of the game, and then as you say, uh, objective secured, turning that off, you'll get that battle round four and five. Um, so ah. just quickly cover that. So yes, Got you get it. all of it for the whole game once you've selected it. So you really so then so that's that's why you said you'd really need to write it down on your score sheet mm. or whatever every turn, so you remember which yeah. ones are still in play, yeah. and. If your opponent is playing Chaos Knights and is not writing them down, you need to write them down so that you can keep track of yourself. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Next one. Next one. One of my personal favorites, the Gauntlet of Ascension. Um, this replaces a Warp Strike Claw. That's the big claw on your big knights. Okay. Uh, so it's strength. Uh, so it's got a few extra abilities here. Um, you can reroll hit rolls with it. Excellent. Each time an enemy character model is destroyed by an attack made with this weapon until the end of the battle, add one to the strength and attacks characteristic of the bearer. Bear in mind that's plus one on your profile. Could become three or two of a sweep. Um, the strike is times two, minus three AP, eight damage, uh, and the sweep is plus two strength, minus two AP, three damage. Um, did I say eight damage for the first one? I think I did. Yeah, that's did. actually the same as the normal claw. Um, it's just got those extra bits I've already mentioned. And of course, the sweep is two hit rolls instead of one. But if you're playing, you know, some unit, uh, an opponent who's got a lot of little smaller characters running around mm. and you happen to stomp one or two of them early on, yeah. then for the rest of the game, having that extra plus one strength and attacks or even plus two strength and attacks is particularly yeah. nice. Reroll hits is, is fantastic on knights as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, then we've got the Twisted Mask. This is for a Psyker model only. Uh, so the uh, the bearer knows one additional psychic power from the Warpstorm Discipline and add one to psychic tests taken for the bearer. So certainly cool. something, if you're going to be rolling with the uh, um, the Psyker Knight, I, I, I'd strongly consider sticking that on him. You could take the um, that mark for being a Psyker. You could put that on a different knight. Oh, that's right. And then, then you could take this relic as well and get plus one decast. So, yeah, interesting right. synergies there. Yeah, yeah. Next one, I think this one's a great one, understated. Um, basically, Panoply of the Cursed Knights. 
uh, a two plus save uh, on your big knights or your war dogs, but not the tyrant class, the giant knights. Uh, two plus save on a knight is is fantastic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, especially if you're sticking on one of the ones um, that uh, is going to be running forward and getting into melee. Yeah. Um, early yep. on. So uh, then we've got the Soul Raptor Swarm. This is for Terror Shades model only. Each time the bearer would lose a wound as the result of a mortal wound, unless the uh, that wound was inflicted by the demonic surge ability. Roll, so no getting out of your demonic surge self-inflicted injuries if you're playing Infernal. Uh, roll 1d6 on a 4+, plus, the wound is not lost. So a permanent all-game 4-up feel no pain. Not bad. Nope. Uh, for, for at least 4-up for mortals. And the bearer has the following ability. Soul Raptor Dreaded. Whilst an enemy unit is within dread range of the bearer, each time a model flees from that unit, the bearer regains one lost wound to a maximum of three regained wounds per phase. Mm. So right. It's okay. I mean, you know, yeah. self-healing yourself. If, if you are really going to lean into playing dread tests, yeah. you know, and you're going to stick this on a model that's so it can keep healing itself, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, next one is Helm of Dogs. Uh, you probably see this one a fair bit. War Dog class model only. Add one to the attack's characteristic of the bearer. That's nice. Uh, then the bearer has the following ability. Helm of dogs, an aura. While a friendly war dog class model is within six inches of the bearer, each time that model makes an attack, we roll a wound roll of one. So you've basically got a lieutenant uh, war dog. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. Very good. Uh, especially since a lot of your war dogs are going to be rolling with those higher strength weapons. It's almost effectively a full wound reroll because you're going to be wounding so many things already on two pluses anyway. Yeah. So... That's good. Uh, then we've got the Helm of Warp Sight. This is an Abhorrent class or War Dog class model only. Each time the Baron makes a ranged attack, you can ignore any or all hit roll and ballistic skill modifiers. The target does not receive the benefits of cover against that attack. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I like this one. Um, I think in a world of Armor of Contempt, if you're taking a shooty knight, you probably kind of have to take this. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna, especially if you take one of the ones with the auto cannons. Mm. Uh, the Diamonas is the next one, the Diamonas. So um, this replaces a Desecrator Laser Destructor. So the Desecrator is the one with the laser gun and then a sword or a claw that sort of is like a preceptor or buffs the little knights. Um, so this is range 72, type is heavy 3. So this is one more shot than you get with the other gun. Um, strength 16, AP 5, damage D3 plus 6. Uh, so similar profile otherwise to the other gun. Um, but it does get a whole extra shot. Okay. So it's okay. It's okay. Um, the next one is uh, uh, I'm kind of a fan of, not to mention it's just a cool name. The Teeth That Hunger. Model equipped with a Reaper Chainsword only. This relic replaces the Reaper Chainsword. Each time the bearer fights, it makes one additional attack with his weapon. Each time an attack is made with his weapon, select one of the profiles. Uh, it's got the typical strike and sweep options. Strike is a plus eight strength. Minus four AP, flat six damage, and the sweep is uh, plus two strength, minus three AP, flat two damage. But you do three hit rolls for every one attack instead of one or two. So yeah, I don't know if that. I think the Reaper already does the three instead of one, right? Yeah. So the difference with this is actually the the strength bonus. Um, oh, okay. Sadly, uh, so you get plus two. You be strength ten with your sweeps, um, and like strength fourteen or sixteen with the strike. Okay. Um, so, so it's, it's um, okay. Yeah. You know, plus and plus one attack never hurts when, you know, you're yeah. waiting into combat. But uh, 
you know, so far, maybe the 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 weapons are not the uh, it's not exactly a relic pistol, but uh, it's they're the weapons so far are not the. Mm. This is this is not the uh, the the Reaper of uh, more tracks. Like yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. That that would be nuts. The next one is the Rune of Nactagra. So this is for a Dreadblade only. Uh, when you select the relic, select a Felbond that no model in your army has. So a Felbond is like a chapter trait. Uh, we discussed them in the first one. Um, the bearer gains that Felbond in addition to any other Felbond it has. So you could have two Felbonds on one model. Pretty cool. I'm sure there's some kind of horrible combo you could do um, that doesn't quite yet spring to mind. Yeah. And if you, you just, you know, it gives you the option to make that Dreadblade, Dreadblade model into kind of a, a roving support piece at mm-hmm. the least. All right. Then you got the Tyrant's Banner. Um, even though it says the Tyrant, it doesn't go on a Tyrant class model. It goes on an Abhorrent class model only. Uh, add three inches to the range of the bearer's aura abilities. And at the start of each of your command phases, if the bearer is on the battlefield, roll a d6. On a five plus, you gain one command point. The limit of gaining or refunding one command point per battle round does not apply to any command points gained via this relic. So, Cool. Um, That's quite a nice little buff. You can get an extra CP in addition to any others that you uh, somehow get back. Which is, which is, and it's particularly nice in a post-Nephilim world that we are now living in. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And, the, and the, the aura abilities isn't bad. Chaos Knights have a lot of aura abilities on their data sheets, as we'll see. Yeah, and they and they are because you're such a low model count army, you're going to be more likely spread out. So maybe making sure that models are within your aura ranges are, is going to be a little bit more of a challenge. So yeah, um, yeah. All right, go for it. Bound Viradian Psychogeist. Uh, this is abhorrent or war dog only. Each time the bear makes an attack on an unmodified wound roll of six, improve the armor penetration characteristic of that attack by two. So sixes get an extra. T- uh, extra 2 AP uh, and that's for ranged and close combat each time the bearer is selected to shoot or fight you can reroll one damage roll when resolving that model's attacks um, this one is interesting uh, if you've got like a lot of shots um, I feel like the close combat of these knights is already quite high AP um, but getting plus 2 because the Avenger Gatling Cannon is AP 2 base so getting to AP 4 quite nice yeah um, Anyone who questions the the wound roll of six to get two extra AP has not faced off against Eldari yet. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the damage reroll is a bit naff because knights don't really have any that many random damage guns to yeah. make real use of it. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and that's the end of the relics. Hmm. Overall thoughts, Dave. Um. I think there nothing here jumps out as there is no Reaper of Obliterax. There is no, um, you know, just stupidly overpowerful relic here that just screams auto take, hmm. which in my opinion is a good thing that that seems like there's, there's some good items here who, that potentially work into the, the dread test stratagem style. And um, yeah, I, I feel like there's some good, there's some options for some good combos, but there's no auto takes, which means that, you know, yeah, not only is it good because you maybe don't feel quite so obligated to take, oh, I need to take these three relics and mm. dump a lot of CP right out of the gate, but yeah. there's some there's some really good options, some very playable options here. Yeah, for me, so. um, I, I see one auto-take, uh, and that is the two-up save. Other than that, you might consider 
taking the the veil for the four plus invert against shooting just because it already saves you two CP on the uh, yeah rotate. So it might be worth taking it anyway because you'd probably spend CP on it on on getting a four up invert against shooting. Um, and then the two plus save. Uh, let's imagine you're fighting something that's AP three in combat. Normally you'd have a six up save. Suddenly now you've got a five up save in combat against that, um, which is a massive difference in survivability. Um, yeah. And I always think about defending my knights in combat because that's where they usually get brought down. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely fair. Um, all right. We are going to s- kind of skip over the the secondaries mm-hmm. because they're there. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, I, I'm not... I don't want to talk too much about them because we're, we just... Nephilim just dropped. I don't know how these are going to... And I have honestly not played a Nephilim game yet, so I'm not sure how they are going to play into Nephilim yet. Mm, they um, haven't changed in the Nephilim book. Right, um, but I'm, I and I know they're not changed, but I'm not sure yeah. how they're going to play with everything else that was restructured in mean. Nephilim. Yeah, fair enough. Um, they're okay from what I've read. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you haven't played any any Chaos Knights. You haven't played your Chaos Knights in with Nephilim yet, have you? Um, we have a stream game, Chaos Knights versus Grey Knights, and that's with the new Nephilim, and that was the week that the week after it dropped. Okay. Um, I start the game with zero CP, so I explicitly remember <laughs> that being a Nephilim, uh, yeah. Nephilim game. With that, we will uh, we'll, we'll just kind of skip those over. If you guys really want to mm-hmm. know the secondaries, buy the book, uh, or you can read them in the Nephilim Warzone book because they're they're all reprinted there too. Um, yep. So, but of far more interest and importance is the data sheets. So, um, the the first one for the people for everybody following along. I don't know what page is. I think it's page 100. Um, Wardog Executioner is the first entry here. Uh, that's the one with the twin auto cannons. If you listen to the um, Imperial Knights review that that uh, Steve and I did, it's the same thing. It you know, yeah. bracketing profile, Wardog Executioner, the Wardog. The the auto cannon is 60 inch range, heavy 2d3, strength seven, AP neg two, flat three damage. So it's a great gun, and it comes with two of them. So you're putting out 43 shots. You're averaging eight shots. Yeah, one of the it's a, it's a nice long range support gun. Yeah, one of the minor differences um, that it's difficult to notice this is the heavy stubbers are different. Uh, in the Imperial Knights book, there's two different kinds of heavy stubbers, and in this one, there's different as well. It's strength five um, for Chaos Knights. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's heavy four, strength five, zero AP one damage. Uh, that's the only thing to know really is that they're strength five. Um, okay cool yeah. uh and then of course it and it does have the 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 melt gun option which is a melt gun mm-hmm. yeah. um and then of course it has all the, the ion shields harbingers of dread war dog squadron base rules so it you know they breaks up into set they they automatically all the war dogs automatically break up into individual units after yeah. deployment so all right uh you want to do the next one yeah the war dog stalker so again same as an armager's profile uh this guy is one of the newer models uh Things to note here, it's got the Terror Shades keyword. Okay, so um, you may remember we mentioned a relic earlier that's Terror Shades only. Uh, that applies to all of the new models, um, as we'll see as we go through. So it's got the Terror Shades keyword. Um, it's got the option for an Avenger Chain Cannon. All right, so this is like a mini Big Knight Chain Cannon. This is 36 inch range, Assault 12, so no penalty to hit if you're shooting something in engagement range. Interesting to bear in mind. Strength 6, AP 2, damage 1. Uh, that's a lot of shots and a good profile, actually. 
Yeah, it's um, I, I actually think it's better than the the big chain cannon because it's damage one. You're you're not you're paying points for for something that's mm. already damage one. You don't have to worry about damage mitigation. So yeah, agreed. And it's on a cheap chassis. You can take a lot of these little models, um, and you get a lot of shots out of it. Yeah, this is the thing that's going to pick up a lot of horde. If you're if you're facing a horde meta or or you know people that you know are going to be going to be bringing a lot of orc bodies now or a lot of um, Eldari, this is yeah. gonna, what's going to thin the herd for you. Absolutely uh, right. And there's other two other weapons we're going to see here first, but they'll appear in the other two profiles we've got for Dogs as well. One of them is the Slaughter Claw. This is a mini fist essentially. It's melee, strength times two, AP three, D three plus three damage. There is no sweep though. There's no sweep to this claw, um, but it's still you know strength. Strike it at strength twelve minus three AP, D three plus two damage. That's pretty gnarly. Oh yeah, yeah. You you and you're coming in with four attacks base. So mm. you you you're hitting on a three up. You know at at your top top bracket profile, um, you got a chance of at least in getting into melee and putting a hurt on or crushing a dreadnought outright. Yep. So D three plus three, I think is such a sweet damage um, profile for, for weapons melee or, or ranged at this point. Yeah. So agreed. It just, it just makes me go back and look at Lay's cannons. And- yeah. You, you can take the chain, um, chain talon as well, uh, which is the same as the chain glaive, I believe. Or Imperial Knights, so that's just plus four strength, minus four AP, three damage. Uh, but that one does have a sweep, which is oh, okay. um, strength user, AP three, one damage, make two hit rolls instead of one. So you could give these guys the sword instead if you preferred to have more attacks, uh, damage okay. one. And you could change that based on the meta. Um, as always, we recommend you magnetize your Knights collection. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then I see that it's, uh, it says the Avenger Chain Cannon can be replaced with one Demon Breath Spear. What's mm-hmm. that? Uh, so that is the thermal spear from the Imperial Knights. It's exactly the same as the thermal spear. So heavy two, uh, strength nine, AP four, D six uh, damage. Uh, it's got range of thirty. So at half range, it's got melter. So plus two damage. Oh, okay. All right. So at um, range fifteen. Yeah. You're 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 doing the D six plus two. Yeah, and then. Brand new weapon, the Havoc Multi Launcher. So, this can replace um, your heavy stubber. This is 48 inch range, heavy D6, strength 5, AP 0, 1 damage, blast, and can target uh, units out of line of sight. Uh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, it's a good little, you know, extra couple extra shots if you need to, you know, yeah. take wounds off something. All right, you got my favorite one next. Oh, I love the model. I love what it does. This yeah. thing it is great. The War Dog Carnivore. It's 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 one of the brand new models. I love the model. I love the the head that goes on it. It's it's very cool. Um, this uh, it's another War Dog. It has the Terra Shades keyword, um, and it has the uh, the Havoc Multi Launcher to start. Um, it it's it's base uh, options are the has the Multi Launcher. It comes with the Reaper Chain Blade. Chain Talon and the Slaughter Claw. So this is your all melee war dog. This thing is, it's got a base move and a 14 as well, which is faster than the other two we talked about. The, 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 the other two war dogs we talked about were only movement 12. This mm-hmm. one's movement 14. And if you use, uh, if you're playing with some of those infernal abilities, you can, 
I can know can speak from experience. Uh, thank you, Paul Murphy, that these things can move 17 inches in the first turn and really, <laughs> as he says, make you rethink your life choices uh, <laughs> yeah. when you see that happen to you. So we're I am here and we are here to warn you all if you are playing against Chaos Knights and someone puts down War Dog Carnivores, be very aware they can get right in your face real fast and yep. they will make you hurt because it's got, yep. like you said, that Reaper Chain Talon is great. It's, it's the, the Chain Sword and it has a Slaughter Claw. So it can go sweep, it can go strike, it can go power fist. In mm. melee, it will make your life very miserable. And it has a base yeah. five attacks instead of four like the other Wardog. Yeah, so and it hits on is, a two in melee. Oh, and it hits on a two, that's right. So yeah, this is this is a melee beast. If you want to play, or if, you're, or if you're playing into someone who wants to go all melee, you're going to see a lot of carnivores. Yeah. They're badass. They're very good. Uh, all right, you want to handle the, uh, the, the, the next one? Yeah, the Wardog Brigand. Um, this one's quite a popular choice. So this guy is uh, same chassis as uh, same stats as the first two we uh, discussed. This is a double gun um, uh, war dog. However, it's got the thermal spear, so the demon breath spear, and it's got an Avenger chain cannon. Okay, so both of the new guns on there. Uh, and then you've got a Havoc multi-launcher. You can switch that out for a heavy stubber uh, if you wish. Uh, that's the only difference. It's got Terra Shades, that Terra Shades keyword that these new knights have. Um, but yeah, from one night having the two melter shots and then also the 12 Avenger chain cannon shots, um, you take a lot of these and that really starts adding up. Yeah, yeah. As, as, as the Chaos Knights go, this is their medium range firepower. The, the Executioner with the auto cannons as a 60 inch range is going to, you know, it's got a lot better range, but. These Wardog Brigands are the ones that have got the, because the Chain Cannon's 36 inch, the Demon Breath Spear's 30 inch, um, and with, you know, especially if you're playing denser terrain or player place yeah. terrain, this is probably the better option because you're going to be having to maneuver to get into range for line of sight anyway, and these things are going to put a herd on. Yeah. All right. And then the last one, the Wardog Huntsman. Uh, this is one of the older, this one does not have the Terror Shades keyword, but again, 12-inch movement, 7 toughness, 12 wounds like all the others. Um, it, uh, it comes standard with the Demon Breath Spear, the Demon Breath Melt-A-Gun, and the Reaper Chain Talon. So it's basic as the Melt-A-Gun and the Chain Sword. And then you can change out the... Um, it comes standard also with the, the Spear and the Melt-A-Gun. The, the regular 12-inch Melt-A-Gun can be swapped out for the Heavy Stubber if you want. Cool. So, I think this one's exactly the same as yeah. the... Imperial Knight, yeah, Armager Warglaive. Yeah, the the they're all, all of the War Dogs are basically the same. There's five versions. The only other than the Carnivore having the 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 two up weapon skill and the 14 inch movement and the five attack, the extra attack. Other than that, those couple of styling differences, the only major difference between all of them is um, they all have different loadouts. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna choose your War Dogs based on what your play style is and what your what you think is gonna be your most effective weapon combinations all right you want to take us into the first of the big boys yeah the big boy notorious the knight abominant this is the new guy uh he is uh terror shades as well so got that keyword in there it's one of the new guys terror shades um right so this is the stat line of all of the knights of this class except uh, a couple or one that we'll see or actually a couple that we'll see um, so this is movement 10. You'll recognize the stat line from the Imperial Knights as well. 
movement 10, weapon skill, ballistic skill 3, strength 8, toughness 8, 24 wounds, 3 attacks, um, leadership 9, 3 plus save. Now, there is actually a difference here in that it's got 3 attacks. Most knights of this chassis have 4, um, so you can see this guy has 1 less. Yeah. Right? Um, so let's go into his weapons. So he's got a Volkite combustor, the massive Volkite gun, range 30, heavy 6, strength 10, AP 1, okay, bit low AP, but flat damage 3. And then the kicker with this weapon uh, is that an unmodified wound roll of 6 inflicts 3 mortal wounds in addition to any normal damage. Yeah. So while Armor of Contempt will contemptuously dismiss this gun's mm. initial shots, those mortal wounds are going to come rolling through and make your life difficult still. Now, the problem with this knight is that on average, you maybe get one wound roll of a six. Uh, but as soon as someone rolls that gun, shoots at you, you see it on the table, and they're, they're about to roll this dice. You're just like, I could take nine more wounds here if they just roll well. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a player morale thing. Yeah. <laughs> so the bail mace is next. This is strength user, so strength 8, minus 2 AP, 2 damage, um, and each time the bearer fights, it makes D3 additional attacks with this weapon. This is the tail that's modelled onto the model. So the bail mace is its uh, okay. sort of tail mace, um, so you could make the attacks with this, you probably wouldn't, um, but these would be the additional on top, a bit like a chainsaw. Uh, the electro scourge is its sort of tentacly arm. This is strength user, so 8, minus 2 AP, flat 3 damage. Uh, and each time you make an attack with this weapon, make three hit rolls instead of one. So you're getting nine attacks with the Electro Scourge instead yeah. of three. Okay. That's, that's quite nice. Uh, yeah. Only AP2, sadly. That's the, I think that's the killer uh, yeah. for that weapon. Yeah, this is, um, this is a... The, everything wrong with this particular model comes down to the AP on the weapons is... Mm. It was fine until Armor of Contempt. Yes. And then yeah. Armor of Contempt makes it very meh. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and then it's got its feet. Strength user minus two, two damage. That's the same across all of the big knights. Um, this guy is a Psyker. Big Psychic Knight. And cast two. Uh, and deny one. No smite and two Psychic Powers from the Warp sport Storm Discipline. Which is that, that right there is the real reason you want to take this guy. Because if you're going to be using Psychers, you're going to want, probably want this guy. Yes. So, yeah. Standout power from uh, last time was the five plus fill in a pain. Um, obviously, on a model like this, it's going to make it very difficult to shift. Yeah. Shall we move on? Yeah. Next one is the Knight Desecrator. Um, this guy is um, a little bit slower, but, or they're all, uh, all the big ones are 10 inch movement, but. Uh, so slightly slower than the War Dogs, but he also has a two-up weapon skill. Um, the rest of the stat line is exactly like uh, the Abominant, like Mike said, that all the other um, Questor Traitorous uh, class knights have four attacks. Um, and this guy comes with the uh, Desecrator Laser Destructor, uh, exactly like um, we had talked previously about the, there was a Relic version of this if you wanted, if you really wanted to just give him an extra shot, I guess. Yeah. Um, the uh, and he comes with the heavy stubber and the reaper chain sword, which is the strike is plus six strength, so bumps it up to fourteen strength. Neg four AP, flat six damage, 
or you do the sweep, triple your attacks up to 12. So it's a strength eight, neg three, uh, flat damage two. And then um, he has the Taskmaster Aura while a friendly Dread household uh, Wardog class models within nine inches of this model. Each time a friendly model makes a ranged attack, reroll a hit roll of one. So if you're going to be playing ranged, this is your, he'll, he'll help. Yeah, ranged, ranged Wardogs, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. That's that. Yeah. Knight to spoiler is next. This is basically, this is just the, the knight. It's just a normal knight um, in all of its stats. Uh, so movement 10, weapon skill 3, ballistic skill 3, strength 8, toughness 8, 24 wounds, 4 attacks, leash at 9, 3 plus, 3 plus save. However, this is the one where you can take all of the weapons um, that you could on an Imperial Knight um, in any formation you want, including doubling uh, some of them up. So you can take uh, the Thermal Cannon, which is exactly the same as the Thermal Cannon of the Imperial Knights. You could take the Avenger Gatling Cannon, what is called a Despoiler Gatling Cannon, exactly the same as the Imperial Knights. The Battle Cannon, also the same as the Imperial Knights. The Heavy Flamer here is called a Dark Flamer, um, otherwise the same. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the Claw and the Chainsword. We've covered the Claw. Um, well, we haven't, we've covered the Relic Claw, so just quickly, um, the Normal Claw is the same, essentially. So it's times two strength, minus three AP, eight damage on the Strike, so the, the one attack per... And then the sweep is plus two, AP two, three damage, uh, two hit rolls instead of one. In case you're fighting like three wound models, you probably might go with that. Yeah. Yeah, other than that, you can take maybe two Avenger Gatling Cannons or two Battle Cannons or, you know, any combination you like. Uh, this is the only Chaos Knight that gets a Top Gun. Um, so the uh, Iron Storm Missile Launcher or the Auto Cannons or the, um, oh God, what's the Ruin Spear Rocket Pods, the big missile uh, rocket pod. Those, of course, have the same uh, stats as the Imperial Knight equivalents. Okay. Um, what this guy does get, so Dread Dominion Aura. While a friendly Dread household Wardog class model is within nine inches of this model, that friendly model is eligible to perform heroic uh, interventions as if it were a character. You can heroically intervene with uh, Wardogs within nine of this guy. Not bad. That's not bad. Especially if you're rolling with a bunch of uh, carnivores. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I like it. You stick them on objectives, they can intervene. It's very nice. Um, and then he's got another special rule, Engine of Destruction. Uh, basically, what this does is um, the first round of combat, if it has a claw and a chainsword, it gets an extra attack. Okay. It's not bad. Yeah. So I guess if you wanted to take an all-combat one that had the heroic intervention ability, you'd take this guy. Otherwise, you'd be looking at our next boy, my favorite of the big knights, always has been. The Night Rampager. The Night Rampager. Uh, and before we move on to that real quick, I did go back and just double check the, the Night Desecrator's Laser Destructor versus the Relic one. There's mm -hmm. one other difference. The, the base Relic, the base Desecrator Laser Destructor, you're right, it gets the extra shot. It's also strength 14. The Relic one's strength Right, six. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you are wounding other Knights basically on twos. Cool. If you take the Relic. So if you feel like you're going to be taking a Night Desecrator and you're going to be going hunting a, other Chaos Knights or other Imperial Knights or other big big boys, you can go. You can bump them up to anything else. You're going to be hunting things that are that are T8, maybe Tyranids. Yeah. Then maybe you consider getting that that Relic Destructor. But okay, now we're up to the Knight Rampager. Here's another. Uh, this one's actually a little faster. He's got the 12 inch movement over 10. He's got the two up weapon skill, 
The rest of the stats are normal, and he's got five attacks instead of four. Oh my god. He, yeah. He's pretty, he's pretty badass. He's got the Reaper Chainsword. He's got the Warp Strike Law. He is the melee beast. And he has the Frenzied Rampage Aura. So while friendly Dread Household Wardog class models within nine inches, they can um, reroll melee hit rolls of one. Uh, so he's, he's leading from the front right there. He is. Yeah, I like this. I like yeah. this guy. I'd yeah. run two. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to be, uh, if you're going to be going <laughs> melee intensive, you want at least one, maybe two if you're. Uh, yeah. If you're crazy. <laughs> and then we've got last but not least. Go for it. Yeah. So the, this one, next was the Tyrant. That was all of the um, abhorrent class um, knights, that sort of middle bracket. Uh, the Knight Tyrant is last. Uh, this is the equivalent to your Castellan. Um, all of the weapons here are exactly the same. I'll just briefly go through each one anyway. Um, so you've got the Castellan version. They've got the Brimstone Volcano Lance. Uh, this is range 80, heavy D3, strength 16, AP minus 5, damage D6 plus 8, and blast. I mean, if this thing gets a shot through, it's going to hurt. Yeah. A this lot. is this is the this is the what like the looking at the gun profiles on this guy this is what people think of when they think of knights. Yes. This is going to like one shot stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a really nice gun. It's a shame it's heavy D3. I think it would have been okay if it was just flat 3. Um, yeah. But there you go. I mean, you're averaging 2. Mm. You'll be bummed if you if you tank your roll and only have one. Yeah. You'll be really happy when it spikes to three. Yeah. Um, I'll just quickly go over the, the, the profile as well. So only movement eight, slower than all of the other knights. Weapon skill four, so less good in combat as well. Uh, three plus ballistic skill, the same as the other ones. Strength and toughness, eight, same as the others. 28 wounds though, so four more than the normal knights. Still got four attacks. Leadership, nine. However, a natural two plus save. Which is a big improvement over the last one, the uh, yes. last codex. Um, in fact, I'm surprised I hadn't noticed that till now. But then I guess we've not really seen many of them hit the table. Yeah, because it's a 400 and some god awful amount of points. So S 600, Dave. Oh, 600. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why we haven't seen it because most people don't want to spend 600 points on a single model, 28 yeah. wounds or not. Yeah, understandable. Um, so the other weapon, if you go for the shooty version, is the Ectoplasma Decimator. Uh, so you've got two profiles to choose here. The first one is 48 inches, heavy 2d6, strength 8, minus 4, 2 damage, blast. Okay, that's your normal plasma. If you supercharge it, um, you increase the strength by 1 to strength 9, and you increase the damage by 1 to damage 3. That's very nice. However, if you roll a 1 to hit, each one you roll, in fact, you suffer two mortal wounds after shooting with the weapon. Um, I'll be honest, I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah. Uh, because you're rolling 2d6 shots, and this guy has basically no way of re-rolling any of them right. um, outside of maybe one with a house trait. Uh, so if you get really unlucky and you roll out four ones, yeah, that's You've just eight taken more eight, wounds. Eight mortal wounds that you have no way to get out of. 600-point model. Yeah. He only Ouch. has 28 wounds to start. You don't want to be chipping away at, you know. Yeah. Oh, well. 
Um, we've got the Guy Strike missile. Um, I don't know what the Imperial equivalent's called, uh, but it's the same. 48 inch range, heavy one, strength 10, AP4, T6 damage. Um, you can only fire with one of these per turn, and you can take uh, two or four. Um, uh, and then they're once per battle shots as well. A bit like a hunter killer. Uh, however, you can't make invulnerable saves against that attack. That's the only saving grace of this weapon, is yeah. the fact that you can ignore invulnerable. The fact that it's D6 damage is trash. Makes it really sad, doesn't it? It makes it very sad because that, yeah. like, that's just screaming for, I'm going to hit you with this giant strength 10 missile. Oh, I rolled a one for damage. It's the kind of thing you CP reroll just to wound, and then it goes through yeah. on a damage like four mod- a wound, four wound model, and then you right. roll like a two for damage. You're like, yes. That wasn't worth the CP at all. Not even a little bit. Nope. <laughs> um, now, especially when you've got like the, the, the storm surge for the Tau has something comparable with the destructor missiles. Mm. Much better weapon profile. And yeah. If, yeah. So I don't know why this thing is basically a one shot per turn laser cannon, but yeah, it should be better. It should. I agree. Um, it does, though, get twin demon breath melter guns. It's got two of these, so four melter guns total. Yeah, it's a melter gun. It's just a two shot melter gun. Yeah. And cool. since this guy has got a weapon skill of four before he brackets, you really don't want to be getting close enough to no. melt to anything. If you're within six inch range, T8 or not, most yeah. things are going to charge you and hack you. Yeah. And you're not going to do much of it. Um, we've got the twin desecrated cannon. So this is, you can take one of these or two based on how many missiles you take. Um, but it does cost more points taking more of these, understandably. So 36 inch range, heavy 2D3, strength 7, only AP1, and 2 damage, blast. All right. Okay. It's okay. Um, and then Titanic feet, strength user, AP2, damage 2. But again, of course, he's hitting on 4s. So in combat, he's yeah. not doing much anyway. Um, yeah, you're, you're not fearing this guy in melee. Now, granted, he's going to still shoot you in melee, but you're not fearing yeah. him in melee. You're not worried about his four attacks that fifty only two will, on average hit. And yeah, yeah. the The other options here um, are exactly the same as the Valiant. So you got the Harpoon is uh, range eighteen, heavy one, strength sixteen, AP six, flat ten damage, uh, plus one to hit against monsters or vehicles, excluding aircraft. Hilariously. Um, each time a, an attack is made with this weapon is allocated to a model they suffer three mortal wounds in addition to any normal damage so you just allocate the attack um, yeah. and they suffer three mortal wounds uh, in addition which is quite quite nice uh, a bit like a hammerhead um, except you still get an invulnerable save against it which yeah, you know you could argue about that if you wanted to yeah the, 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 and the other option is the dark flame cannon which is not awful it's an 18-inch mm. heavy flamer. It's heavy 3d6 shots. Strength 7, neg 2, flat 2 damage, and it automatically hits like a flamer. Yeah, it's not it's a, all right. It's okay. It's just the 3d6. Yeah. You know? Like with Nids, we saw them get the acid spray from the Tyran effects. was d6 plus 6. Don't know why they couldn't have done something like that for this. Right. Or just say heavy 9 or heavy 10. Yeah. Just give them the average. Just, just do the heavy 10 so you're not worried about when your dice are going to spike or, or whatever the opposite of spiking is and you roll three ones. 
Yeah, I got three hits. So yeah, I don't. I, I'm I'm always really sketchy about we- we- weapons that have highly variable, highly swingy uh, numbers of yeah. shots. On your on your 600 point model. Yeah, especially on a 600 point model. On a 600 so. point model, I want 600 points of reliable investment, not 600 points of. Yeah. It could do something really great, or it could do nothing. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. All right. So that wraps up the data sheets. We don't even have uh, Canis Rex. Uh, there's, there's no named characters in this, uh, codex. You just get what we read. So, you know, no, no free warlord traits or relics, uh, for this edition for, if you're playing the, the, the dark side of the force, but that's okay because you have four pages of strats, which we're not going to go through all of them, but we'll pick a couple random ones. But it, like I said, it is four pages of, of full blown strats. So you got plenty of options, uh, in here to, to delight and horrify. Should we go for four each? Sure. Do you want to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of unyielding rage. Okay, so use this stratagem in the fight phase when a Chaos Knights model is selected as the target of an attack. Till the end of the phase, each time an attack is allocated to the model, subtract one from the damage characteristic of that attack to a minimum of one. It's not cumulative with any other uh, rules that reduce damage. If it's a war dog, one CP, otherwise two CP. Minus one damage in combat is huge for knights. Yes. This is probably the best stratagem in the book. Yes. Yeah, because you 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 need you have so few models, you need to really leverage any kind of survivability you can. Yeah. Um I like pack hunters, uh one mm-hmm. CP. Uh if select one enemy unit that's within engagement range of two or more war dog class models from your army. Uh, until the end of the phase, add one of the attacks characteristic of each Wardog class model from your army that started the phase within engagement range of that enemy unit. Because I like the idea of having a pack of Wardog carnivores just mm. roaming around, making people's yeah. lives miserable, that, yeah. you know, being able to spend one CP and give an extra attack to two or three or even four models can really up their, their damage output. So yeah. I, I like that one. Yeah, and, and war dogs aren't necessarily fantastic in combat either, um, you know, because sometimes you've got to kill a lot more models than, well, five uh, right. with the war dog. Yeah, so if you, if you, but I mean, if you've got two carnivores and you're, you're coming in with, you know, you mm. doing sweep attacks or whatever, you know, you're tripling your attacks, then it's maybe it's valid or you're, you're trying to punch the bejesus out of some blood angel yeah. um, assault inter- uh, or uh, assault centurions. You know, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna want as many extra attacks as you can get. So, yeah, kind of dig that one. Um, so for me, the next one is Reap and Rend. This is a cool one. So one CP uh, in the fight phase when a Chaos Knights model from your army that is equipped with a Reaper Chain Sword or Reaper Chain Talon. The Reaper Chain Talon is the War Dog equivalent of the Chain Sword or a relic that replaces the weapon. Um, it, whenever they're selected to fight until the end of the phase, each time that model makes an attack. You can never reroll that attack's hit roll, okay? But if that attack is made using the sweep profile of a Reaper Swords, um, make one additional hit roll. So if you've got a knight with, uh, let's say, five attacks on its characteristic profile, maybe a Rampager, um, you spend one CP, uh, and instead of each sweep attack being three, each sweep attack is now four, and you get 20 attacks with your Chainsword. Instead of 15, you just can't reroll the hit rolls. And depending on the night, you probably weren't re-rolling the hit rolls anyway. So 
Yeah. More than likely you're not. Extra tax. Yeah. yeah. Right. And if you're using a carnivore and you're hitting on twos anyway, Mm -hmm. you're not caring about rerolls. No, exactly. um, And I actually like the one just above that in the book, Harrying Hunter for two CP. Use this stratagem in your movement phase when a war dog class model from your army falls back. That model can still shoot and or charge this turn, even though it fell back. So I'm a big fan of fall back and shoot, fall back and charge. Um, Yep. I, I learned the beautiful value of that um, last year when you uh, coached me on how to play Death Watch. So, um, yes. So, fall back and shoot, fall back and charge is yeah. such a valuable out of phase movement tactic on top of just the greed. Uh, you know, what, what damage you can rend. I wish it was one CP to do one or the other and two to do both. Um, just in a Nephilim world. Yeah. Two CP is a lot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, that and I hadn't, I haven't, because I haven't played any Nephilim games yet. I'm still not in that mindset yet of, mm. oh yeah, we've especially in first couple of turns of the game, maybe you're you're on a you're on a CP budget. Yeah. So you got one, another one. Yeah. So break their lines be my third pick. Uh, I like this. I like Iconoclast lists. I think they're a lot more fun um, than the Infernal. I, I don't know actually. Infernal's quite cool with the like movement buff or the transhuman and stuff. So break their lines is Iconoclast. Now, um, if they made a charge move, each time they make an attack, add one to that attack's hit roll. Okay, this is going to synergize with the next strat that I'm going to talk about. Um, but plus one to hit on your knight, fantastic in combat. What, what's not to like? You know, if you've got uh, maybe a shooty knight that's got one chainsword or something, hitting on twos, or even your abominant, make him hit on twos, it's pretty tasty. And what's that? And and so, what's the one you want that to synergize with? Oh, um, yeah, I suppose I'd go with that at the same time. Uh, crushed like vermin. Um, I love this one. So, I use this strategy in the fight phase when a Titanic Chaos Knights model from your army is selected to fight. Until the end of the phase, each time that model makes a melee attack with its Titanic feet, subtract one to the attack's hit roll. So you'll see where this synergizes. If you've got a knight that hits on twos, you know minus one plus one, so you still hit on twos. If that attack successfully hits the target. Unless they're a vehicle or monster, the target suffers two mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends. So you're converting right. your, your titanic feet into, into just two more wounds if you hit. Yeah. With no cap. Yeah. So you get your rampage with various buffs up to maybe seven attacks and you charge like a character. Um, use this strat. I think I played Steven actually with his Blood Angels list. Um, we had a good game. And uh, the Sanguinor turned up out of heroic intervention, um, and uh, I used the stratagem and crushed him under my feet. You tap danced on him. Tap danced on him. It was uh, yeah, a lot more wounds. I enjoyed it. Obviously, he didn't. All right. But he smashed me because his blood. So <laughs> well, right, yeah. And a little bit deep. of revenge. <laughs> right, but it's the fact that you got the tap dance on the Sanguinor still yeah. kind of it's you know it's it's epically worthy of uh, retelling. Yeah. Um, I do. I don't know. See, I like the thought of this one. It's called Death Grip. It's one CP. Mm. You use it um, when an attack's made with a Warp Strike Claw or Slaughter Claw or a relic yeah. that replaces those. Before any saving throw is taken against that attack, both players roll off. If the strength characteristic of this Chaos Knight is greater than that of the model the attack has been allocated to, add one to your result. If you win the roll off, invulnerable saving throws cannot be taken against that attack. Otherwise, the damage characteristic of that attack is zero. It's mm. kind of a gamble. It is. I think the issue with this one is that if your strength is higher, you get just plus one. 
Yeah. Whereas the the roll off used to be for death grip. You add your strength. Or yeah. it was like it was something like that. So the difference between strength was much more impactful. Yeah. Um, but plus one. Yeah. I like because I, I always love things that shut off invulnerable saves. Yes. But just because I continue to have my hate hate relationship with custodies. But um but yeah, it's uh, because there's such a limited chance. I mean you're you're really gambling with this. You're giving up eight damage with a warp strike claw. Or like potentially yeah. with the little guy a D three plus three. On a roll off? Yeah, on a roll off it's not yeah. I mean it 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 seems like if like yeah that's one of those things where if you really want to gamble yeah. go for it but no um, yeah I think I think the better one is ravenous terror shades one CP use the stratagem the morale phase select one enemy unit within dread range of a terror shades model which is basically all of the new ones uh, as Mike said before that enemy unit must take a dread test if that test is failed that enemy unit suffers a mortal wound for each point by which their dread test was failed to a maximum of six mortal wounds. I like this, it. This is one of the ones where I like it because if you're really building for dread tests, you can really tank someone's leadership and then you force mm-hmm. them to take a dread test and then they suffer all of these horrible consequences, including yeah. taking up to six mortal wounds. So, yeah. and for one CP, dropping six mortal wounds on somebody for one CP, I'm okay with that. Cool. I have to shout out one more strap. Go for it. It's Steven's favorite. Um, it's the auto explode strap. I was going to say, this can't be the auto explode <laughs> one because he hates that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, when a Chaos Knights model uh, is destroyed, don't roll to see if it explodes. It automatically explodes. Um, if it's a Tyrant class, you roll a, a dice and on a four, the range of the explosion is 3d6. Um, yeah. And then it's one CP on a War Dog, two CP on an Abhorrent, um, or three CP on the Big Boy once per game. Yeah. Potential yeah. game changer. I- I can at least I can at least get a, get on board with this strat for to to one degree, and that's the fact that the name is spiteful demise. Mm. That's exactly what it is. It is an act of spite. You know what it isn't? It's not a noble sacrifice. Imperial Knights players, you're not doing a noble sacrifice. Is that what it's died. called for Imperial Knights? Right. Uh, uh, G- Gorman and Vasquez in the tunnel, about to be eaten by aliens. That was not a noble sacrifice. They just. <laughs> Took a couple extra aliens with them on the way out with that grenade. Yeah, so agreed. Yeah, yeah, that's not a noble sacrifice. So noble sacrifice is when you throw yourself on the grenade to save your friends. This is not that. So no. uh, anyway, all right. So uh, that wraps up wraps up the stratagems, and for us, that wraps up Codex Chaos Knights, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed Mike and I going through this and all of our shenanigans in the course thereof. Um, you know, we love doing these codex reviews for you guys. Um, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to doing the the next couple, but, uh, for now we are, we are concluded. So before we get out of here, uh, I'm going to kick it over to Steve and James, uh, to do the battle ready segment with siege studios. So we'll be right back. How you doing James? Got another question for you. I'm good. Let's do it. Now, nights. Let's talk nights for a while. Yeah. Hot topic at the moment. How do we magnetize the arms? Because you look at them joints and they look like they're not made for it. So obviously there's so many different options now. We need to magnetize a knight. So you've got the variation in choice. How is the best way to magnetize a knight? 
first things first, get your polarities right, because the worst thing is that you stick different magnets at different different polarities and you can never fit all the armors. You want the polarity across the force to be to hopefully exactly the same. So then that allows you to then just interchange weapons between all the knights, uh, maximum flexibility, especially for you guys that like changing loadouts for tournaments. Um, that's the first thing. So whether you want to put a dot on one side of the magnet with some paint so that you know that it's the blue side of the magnet, or the red side of the magnet, that really helps. Um, and allows you to sort of maintain that that you know what bit goes with what. Um, knights are really good. If we're talking about the big the big knights, then then generally speaking, when you remove the arm, that flat plate where the uh, the arm connects to in the centre of that, if you stick a really nice, decent sized, strong magnet in there, and then on the inside of the joints or the arm joint, um, you can stick one in there, and they connect beautifully, like really hold extremely well. Um, I'd definitely recommend using that area. Um, Things like, for example, secondary weapons and all that kind of stuff. I'd always recommend using a bigger magnet than you think you're going to need because you want the parts to be stuck on really strongly. Um, I've seen it too many times when people don't use magnets that are strong enough or quite weak. And what happens is the parts are just flapping around on the model. And if you're gaming and you, and you don't, you really don't want the arms and things to be falling off while you're gaming. Um, it's super important. So yeah. Um, just look at the best flattest area for the connection point. I'd always recommend super gluing um, the magnets on as well. So they're really, really nice and solidly stuck on. Um, there's a really good glue called Mitre Bond, which is a building trade glue. It's super strong. Um, you can get it on eBay, Amazon, all those different areas. Um, and it literally, it's designed to glue bricks together. So if it glues bricks together, it will glue a magnet to a bit of plastic and it will never, ever come off. Um, so yeah, use strong glue, use strong magnets and make sure that the joints that you've got to, you've got to measure the distance so that the, 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 the magnets either connect solidly or they have like a millimeter gap because then they will be the further a magnet is away from the opposing magnet, the weaker the joint is going to be. So really do a bit of homework, dry fit things, blue tack magnets on this is something the way that I do it. Um, I'll normally sink a magnet into a piece as well. And I do that by using like a hand drill. Um, and I'll use a big drill bit and I'll literally just make a hole and I'll kind of like sink the, the magnet half into the piece. Um, that means that it's got a bit of a foundation. The magnet can't pull out the other magnet once it's super glued in as well, which really creates a solid bond uh, and solid connection. Um, it's all about making sure that your parts still are magnetized really well and they move around if you need them to. Um, but so they're not flapping around and loose and all over the place because that's the worst thing when it comes to it. You, you move the model, the arm falls off, it goes off the table and then breaks and that's the, the worst case um, and just remember as i said to make sure that you keep a note of the polarity because you just want to have as much flexibility in the force as possible by changing the uh by being able to change any arm with any model without worry of oh that magnet's not the right polarity it's a really important thing that sometimes people do overlook so top tip then is when you buy your big you know load of magnets get a permanent marker do the top one, put it to the bottom, do the next one, put it to the bottom. And if you've got a stack of 20, permanent marker the same side on all of them. So every time you use it, you know which permanent marker one is the right side, yeah? A little bit of prep work is going to go a long way. Correct, yeah. That really, really helps. All right, James, that's brilliant. Well, I'm going to get magnetized my arms and uh, I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, guys, that is it for this week. In the next episode, which I think we're recording tomorrow, hopefully, uh, Steve and I are going to dig deeper into the evil side of 40K. We're getting into the new Codex Chaos Space Marines. And there is, this may actually end up being three episodes because this book is massive, guys. It's huge. So you're going to want to tune in over and over and over again. Enjoy the dulcet tones of Stephen Box uh, and tolerate my voice as well. 
Uh, so until then, and I'm not sure when Mike's coming back. I know uh, we've, got, we've got some ideas for other episodes coming up. So this is certainly not the last you have seen of Mr. Costello. Uh, but until he comes back and until you are uh, you come back to, to listen to the next episode, this is Dave Calmel from Michael Costello saying, who's on first? Have a great week, guys. <laughs>